So I saw an Instagram post earlier this week. Name a movie that you wish you saw in theaters when it originally came out. Oh, man. I'm top. Um, oh, there's just so many just came up. Toy Story is my initial. We might and it doesn't been... necessarily have to be like your favorite movie. It's just like uh, any movie that you think like, oh, my God, I wish I saw that in theaters when it came out. Matrix. Actually, The Matrix was one of the ones on my list yeah. because I remember first seeing it on VHS. My yeah. uh, my dad bought it randomly, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know what other movie that I, I really am ashamed to admit that I like, but wish I saw it in theaters because I didn't? Sean Connery's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that in theater. I did. So you did? You? Be jealous, yeah. Because when I was a kid, um, Fort Way plug, I went religiously to the movie theater every weekend my dad and i we would go to the alpine and the fortway what wasn't playing at one was playing at the other i want to say summer 2003 Mm. and uh we we definitely saw it sound speeding camera rolling scene four take 303 mark welcome to take 303 powered by fortway media the podcast with one guy who knows a lot about movies and his friend we're going to discuss film television and today we're discussing evil dead rise don't breathe and the Pope's Exorcist. Spoiler warnings ahead. Yeah, this week we have three movies, one more than usual because we also have a special guest. Later on in the show, we're going to bring on X-Bob straight off his YouTube web series, X-Bob Gamer. It is, oh man, we recorded it before this podcast. Yeah, so the part you're listening to at the end is we recorded that first. Just for safety purposes. Oh man. (laughs) Just to make sure that it even exists. (laughs) So we're talking about Lee Cronin's Evil Dead Rise. And it stars Lily Sullivan, Alyssa Sutherland, and a bunch of other actors there. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these actors and actresses in pretty much anything else. Yeah, no, um, I think a lot of them are Australian also. So that could Uh. be the reason. So I think they are in things, but just not things that we know because we're ignorant Americans. Correct. And the movie synopsis pretty much follows this family that lives in a pretty rundown apartment. And after an earthquake, one of the children stumbles upon a book, the Evil Dead franchise book, which has some fancy Necronomicon, something like that, the Book of the Dead. And they open it and things start going from bad to worse to, oh my gosh, this is awful. And it takes place in the apartment building and that's pretty much the whole movie. And you love your single setting movies. Let me tell you. I have been spoiled, this episode in particular, because we're talking about two movies that take place in one location primarily, and even the last movie... Yeah, Pope's Exorcist, for the most part, takes place in one house. Yeah. So this is like, ah, oh, what a treat for me. So I'm very happy with this. So right off the bat, Evil Dead Rise, what did you think of it? I haven't been scared at a movie theater in a long time. For me, I want to say I liked it, but I didn't love it. Really? And we're going to get deeper into that. We, we come from different uh, starting points with this movie. Sure. Because I've seen all the Evil Dead movies. You said that you had not? I have not seen any Evil Dead movie up until this point. And I've binged just a little bit of the show. I didn't finish it. I've probably seen only like the first season. I stopped watching after that. So I know a good amount of the lore. And for me, I think it's a solid movie. I think the cinematography is gorgeous. I think the special effects, the makeup, the design of that was just top tier. I just feel like it did not add to the series at all. The whole idea of a sequel is to continue a story. It didn't continue a story. It continued the idea of a story, but it was just redoing what the other ones did. The Evil Dead, the Deadites, 
are still exactly the same that they were in the 80s. The Deadites, you mean the demons? The evil bad guys? So in the Evil Dead, the presence that kind of creeps through and uh, that's the POVs that are shooting through at them, that that's considered the Evil Dead. When they become these possessed creatures, mm-hmm. they are referred to as Deadites. Gotcha. And so what you're saying is, is that the Deadites, they don't, it's not across the franchise. This hasn't done anything we haven't seen before. Exactly. The okay. only difference between this movie and the previous movies is the setting. Evil Dead 1 and 2, they both take place in a cabin in the woods. Evil Dead, the reboot in 2013, also cabin in the woods. Army of Darkness does deviate from that a bit because they go back in time. This one has the same tone as the 2013 gotcha one where it's a super serious one it's it's a gorier one interesting yeah i i mean i kind of liked it that it i mean yeah i haven't seen it so i have nothing to compare to nor do i want to i just liked it the way it is i think it's great well that's what i'm saying i i don't think the movie is problematic at all as a fan of the series yeah i just feel like it didn't do anything for me makes sense gotcha especially since the 2013 reboot uh we we went to go see the movie with krista and krista mentioned that uh it was gory mm-hmm. and i mentioned it wasn't gory enough like <laughs> wow the cheese grater didn't do it for me and i referenced the 2013 film where i mentioned the the nail gun mm-hmm. being used in one of the scenes i didn't get too deep into it right. but it was just 10 times more gory and i'm not like a gory freak where i need you know mm-hmm. I need this to happen for me to, you know, be entertained. Yeah, you know, I guess for me, I've never been a big watching horror for gore kind of person. It's never been. I used to be terrified of everything as a kid, including horror movies. And I've come around. Roller coasters I was scared of came around to that. Um, So I think a lot of the horror movies that I watch are usually very tense. All about suspension building up. Or it's like, well, I wouldn't call them, but like, or zombie movies, which is like, they do, there's a lot of gross things, but it's not gory. It doesn't like make your skin crawl. Well, that's the thing also. You don't necessarily need the gore. Yeah. And I agree with you with the the suspense. Mm-hmm. And while you were saying that, I remembered in the 2013 film, there is a girl in the film that uh, ends up eating on the glass and like uses the glass to cut her face. Ooh. So that's what I'm saying is it's not necessarily that it didn't make me like close my eyes. Yeah. It's something that it's just I've seen it before. Oh, so you're saying the Evil Dead franchise, somebody you chewed on glass before already. Yeah. Oh, well, it seems like... And, like, they cut their face with the glass. So, like, it's something that's been repeated. That's what I'm saying. Interesting. You know, my fiance spent most of her time holding on to me, burying her face in my shoulder. But, I, to be honest, there were parts where I kind of looked away, too. So Now, um, highlights of the film. There's so many. In the first scene, I was, like, a kid in a candy store. Because between the POV of the evil dead going through the forest and then the fake out of finding out it's a drone really great but then let's talk about that title card when oh, the yeah. words evil dead rise literally rises out of the mountains while this girl is levitating out of the lake gorgeous gorgeous shot i thought for a hot second that i was seeing a 3d movie like it looked so good you know it's crazy when i saw that i go okay this film is gonna be serious like this is not gonna be a joke because if it was you can't have an amazing title so you, and uh, who, me i don't care about title so you can, like who cares when the title of the movie comes up but I was like, okay, gorgeous, I agree, gorgeous shot. Once I saw that, I'm like, this movie, uh-uh, taking no prisoners. That brings us to our next point, acting. 
who's giving off the best performance in Evil Dead Rise. Yo, who's the mom? Exactly. I think that's Alyssa Sutherland. And then I would the next person I would have to say is um, the one that the comes book. home that like is visiting Beth I think oh Beth Abu I thought mm-hmm. she did a good job as well the mom for me in particular yeah she is this movie she sold it oh man I thought so <laughs> this is what I thought this movie was gonna be because I had seen and heard about Evil Dead before so I knew something I just knew it was kind of like silly I even remember some clips as a kid watching it. Like, there's a guy with a chainsaw for a hand. I go, how how scared could this movie be? So I thought when they were showing pictures of the mom, like, holding the kids in the poster, I'm like, is this going to be one of those things, my mom is dead, Bernie's dead, <laughs> like, like my weekend at Bernie's, they're going to try to hide that, like, she loves them and she's fighting the demon inside. Nope, she's fully possessed and she is crazy. So the original Evil Dead was a horror film. And since a lot of it was done practically, it's even scarier on top of that. There's a scene where the main girl that gets basically possessed in the film remember the elevator scene in this movie where mm-hmm. the the cables come out and they like they're like hog tying her to a sense so it's the exact same thing but in the forest these vines sprout out of a tree and they grab her arms grab her legs and then one slithers up her leg and then oh yeah when i saw that scene it was just crazy but it is a creepy, scary film, both of them. And the 2013 reimagining is one of the few films that I'm like, I actually enjoyed the remake, and I love the remake. Well, what I found great about Evil Dead Rise, another highlight for me, was that there were things that are funny that happen. Because the situation is so messed up and disturbing, you're still laughing. But not probably because you think it's funny. Like, you're horrified that it is funny, and there's a difference. And so you laugh. Like the eyeball going into the guy's mouth and him choking and dying (laughs) off that. Like that's funny, but that's horrifying as well. And like another unintentionally funny moment or is when the mom who's possessed at this point, she's in the tub. She climbs up on the ceiling, screaming, doing all this nonsense and then just loses consciousness and just dumps and falls right back into the tub. (laughs) Hysterical. I was very invested in the story Mm -hmm. because... One by one, you know the family is going to get infected by this evil dead presence. And I was so afraid that they weren't going to have the kids turn. Did you have that feeling? Okay. When I first started watching this movie and I saw how possessed the mom got and all the messed up things she did, I'm like, there's no way they're going to put this on the kids. Then the first kid turns and I'm like, yo, there's no way you're going to do another kid. And I really thought, okay, two is fine. Maybe they'll find a way to get them out of it, right? Because, again, I don't know what this series is like or anything. Mm -hmm. Once I saw the dude get turned, which is the one who made it all happen, and I'm like, well, I'll probably have a redemption arc where he saves everyone. I'm like... Are they all going to die? And I was convinced, especially once everyone died in the hallway too. I'm like, I think all these people are going to die. And are they even going to kill the little girl? That leads me up to the major part of my question. Yeah. When I was watching this movie, I was like, they can't let those kids turn. Because as a fan of the series, I know what that means. They're not coming back. No one ever really does. When I'm watching it, I'm like, I would have loved if the the youngest kid turned. That would have been wild. Insane. I would give it a five-star review just off of that move right there. Which I love when everybody dies in the movie. If it's like, if it's justified and like you can make it work. Well, that's the thing is that we're just, we're so saturated by movies where, oh, they, you know, kill the host and then everyone lives. Yeah. And none of that was happening. It's just, oh, how long can these people survive? Uh, One of the things I really enjoyed about Evil Dead Rise is the sound design. I'm going to set, 
like you said it when you walked into the theater and you saw me without popcorn you were like he's a fucking filmmaker <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I'm, I'm over here just appreciating the surround sound out here the sounds if you were actually like like really mm-hmm. like paying attention to what what's happening around you you can hear all these little voices you can hear the wind it really made you feel like you were in that space that this is one of the movies where I would pay extra just for the surround, the RPX treatment, the you know, Dolby would have been insane. Oh my gosh, yeah, I could only imagine what that have been like. And I'm not a, I like you know, we go to the Alpine, we're paying six dollars on a Wednesday for a movie. We're not shout out Alpine, shout out to the Alpine, always looking for a sponsor. This is one of those movies I would tell anybody if you're listening, you want to, you're on the fence about Evil Dead Rise. Not only should you go watch it because it's an excellent horror film in my opinion, but you should go watch it and do the surround sound get the highest money get your money's worth you know interesting uh funny story i actually one time went to the theater to go see the movie fury and i sat behind a blind guy oh the tank movie yeah okay yeah the brad pitt (laughs) tank movie with shia labeouf my dad he was with me at the time he was like is that guy blind i was like i'm pretty sure he's walking in with his buddy he's got the sunglasses on we both turn and look at each other we're like how's this guy seeing the movie and uh the answer was in the first like minute of the film his buddy leans over to him and he's like brad pitt's walking out of the tank right now and he's going near shia labeouf and he's like shaking his hand i was like no he (laughs) is not no he is not gonna narrate this entire movie (laughs) right now and he does. The The friend got tired about like an hour into it and he stopped talking and the guy was just enjoying like the tank sounds. But I feel like that guy would enjoy Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> that guy would definitely enjoy Evil, Evil Dead Rise. Favorite scene in the film? I love going to the movie theater. It's probably my favorite thing on the planet. My favorite movie going experience is when the crowd that you're with unifies into a single unit. This happened to me when I watched Captain America Civil War in Brooklyn at Sheepshead Bay. I already know where this is going. What scene do you think I'm going to talk about? The airport. Yes. The airport scene where Spider-Man and Captain America are fighting. And at the end of it, Spider-Man is at, is holding up a terminal, some walkway. And he's holding up this thing and he can't. And Captain America goes, you fight good, kid. Where are you from? Spider-Man says Queens. Captain America smirks and goes, Brooklyn. The entire movie theater I'm in erupts in applause. People are on their feet, high-fiving, clapping. Yeah! Yeah! Fuck Spider-Man! Yeah! <laughs> like, he's my favorite character. People are just losing their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I got to experience this again with Evil Dead Rise. The mother is possessed at this point. It's the hallway scene. She's running back and forth doing all these shenanigans. And the sister is off somewhere for why every reason everybody's separated in the small apartment after everything's going on i don't know but the little girl is walking towards the door her mom is calling out to her who's possessed at this point and she's going for the doorknob (laughs) (laughs) and the whole theater this one guy in the front is going what are you doing (laughs) and the whole movie just goes Oh, you know, everybody's groaning. No, don't do it. I love moments like that because it's everybody in the movie. They're just thinking the same thing. And I, I don't like people talking to movie, but when it's like that, it's perfect. You can imagine that this nine-year-old is actually going to be dumb enough. No offense to nine-year-olds. No, no, no. Actually, I was thinking throughout the entire movie, what would I have done at nine years old? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even remember it. And think about how traumatized that kid is right now. Yeah. The amount of therapy they have to go through. That's all I kept thinking at the end. I'm like, well, how are you going to live a normal life after this? My favorite scene. It's when the uh, the kid comes out with the sheet over them. That I was actually debating between the sheet scene and the kid. Yeah, excellent. 
because a thing that uh you would learn in in other uh evil dead movies is that yeah they do kind of take flight at some point <laughs> yeah. and um yo fucking gunned across the room and i would say like I, I didn't jump but my seat went back like i was like oh shit that was an intense scene because you see him just like come out in the background and it's just a slow and steady kind of thing and it's not a jump scare and i hate the jump scare movies that was another that got a reaction out of the crowd i was with too Turned, yo <laughs> just a big brooklyn yo the only thing that annoyed me in evil dead there were two things one how people in the same apartment and this is a problem i had in the original uh purge film how people in such a small space can't hear what's going on in the other rooms mm-hmm. i mean that's more of a logical issue but it happens in so many movies i could write it off and then the major thing that annoyed me is that it was kind of really easy to kill the big deadite at the end oh yeah i think you know it's funny and i think i had a problem with it when i first noticed it i'm like it becomes this massive blob of bodies. Mm-hmm. And this seems like, okay, I really don't know how. Yeah. that's a good, I think that's a fair criticism. And even, like, in the hallway, it just, like, was a one-shot kind of deal. They they kind of were, like, John Wicking it at this point. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't blame them. Give them a little bit of a break. They've already <laughs> been through. Because that's the thing. It's, like, it's your family that are getting turned. These aren't just friends. aren't strangers. It's your family. And I think that's what makes it more of an emotional thing. And I was kind of invested with the family as opposed to maybe some of the other people and other films we'll talk about in this episode where I didn't really care as much. But there's just something about like family trying to make it, sister goes, real problems. I think everyone can relate to the feeling of reaching out to someone you love and care about and them not respond back to you. I think we can all relate to that. If you're a fan of the series, you should watch the film. It's enjoyable. It does nothing bad. It just doesn't add to the series. Okay. So I'm going to have to put Evil Dead 1 at the top. The original. The original. 1980s. Um, followed immediately by the reboot. The 2013 film. Also okay. titled Evil Dead. This is, a tri- this is the tricky part. Because I'm going to put Army of Darkness. Not because necessarily it does anything for the horror. Uh, the horror genre. Because it doesn't. It's just very enjoyable. If you're looking for a great time. Like a good comedy put on army of darkness it's like it's like a perfect horror comedy then i would go with evil dead rise and then evil dead 2 as a horror movie i think it's a five as just a movie in general i think it's a four okay um i also was leaning four i was in between the three and the four um three for being like not really original to the series before for it being a really good movie it's a really solid uh horror film all right, so this is a good time for a commercial break. I've been trying my whole life to get small. The problem is, though, when you get so big like this, you gotta know when to shrink down. And there are certain situations in the bedroom where being too big might be a problem. I've been walking around my whole life with big arms, big biceps, big torso, and a big third leg. My whole life started to change when I started using Shrivel Up. My wife was always tired the next day. Now after taking the little red pill for men, we can finally do what we always wanted to do. 
not be sore the next day. Stop feeling the cold water of your bathroom toilet. Stop knowing if there are rats crawling underneath your staircase. Stop knowing if a room is made up of tile or wood in the dark. Get more room for the fruit of your loons with the small red pill for men. If you want your wife to stop bragging to her friends about her great sex life, then we've got the pill for you. Side effects may include excessive coughing, sneezing, vertigo, Walking with confidence, walking without confidence, inflammation of the nose, inflammation of the heart, inflammation of the lung, skin rash, diarrhea, constipation, drowsiness, an abnormally large penis, dry mouth, insomnia. If you're experiencing these anything longer than 48 hours, call your doctor. Change your life today and know what it feels like to be the average man. Shrivel Up has changed maybe three lives across the entire country. Stop living your life large, shrivel up. And we're back. So this week we paired Evil Dead Rise with one of my personal favorites, Don't Breathe. And the reason I put this on our list is because the director, Fede uh, Alvarez, is the director of 2013's Evil Dead. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Don't Breathe is not technically a horror film. I would put it more in a thriller category, but it has some horror elements to it, and we'll talk about that later. 2016's Don't Breathe stars Jane Levy also from Evil Dead. Dylan Minnette, Daniel Zavato, and Stephen Lang. Is Dylan Minnette the 13 Reasons guy? I never saw 13 Reasons. And then the last guy you mentioned, what was his name again? Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang, he's the Avatar bad guy, yes? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't Breathe is about three thieves who are robbing houses and get tipped off that there might be a house with a lot of money hidden away after a settlement. They discover that the owner of that house lives in a pretty bad and abandoned neighborhood and is blind. They decide to go rob this man and try to get somewhere close to 300000 whatever they think the money is. It turns out they have a lot more in store for them, and things go horribly wrong as they try to rob him and make some pretty gnarly and awful discoveries about the old man. So I went into Don't Breathe pretty blind. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And I told you to do the exact same thing. And I didn't even make the joke, uh, <laughs> regrettably over text. Yeah, it was, a, it was about a blind guy, so going blind. Um, but yeah, no, I went in blind and it was the greatest, one of the greatest experiences I've had in a, in a movie theater. The film just had so many twists and turns. You did not expect anywhere that it was going. That's what a horror movie should do. This literally like had you had three robbers go into a house and then they turn out to be like the people that you're rooting for because the guy that they're robbing is someone that you're not rooting for now. And I love that kind of dynamic. So one of my first kind of questions to you is who do you think is the protagonist of the story? That's a tough question because I agree with you. Halfway through the movie, I realized I didn't know who I was rooting for because I wasn't even rooting for the robbers and like even towards the end because they're still robbing a blind guy. And that that's what's great about it. You have like that gray moral crisis situation where mm -hmm. all the characters are shitty and yeah. they all did bad things, but some are just slightly better than the others. And that's an interesting dynamic. I hate the movies where there's just a clear, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. I guess for me, the protagonist is the kid. He's the one in the movie whose dad has works for the security company and he's the one getting the keys and the code so they can rob the place. Alex, yeah, I like Alex. For whatever reason, I'm not rooting for the for the female lead I rocky don't know. yeah i'm not i don't know why i don't root for rocky what don't i like about her i don't even know why you would hate her i believe she is the protagonist although flawed I was rooting for Rocky the whole time. She's trying to get the money for her and her sister to leave. She's doing it for the right reasons. I mean, you can justify any action as long as you have good intentions behind it, you know? I yeah. mean, what was that, that great line that uh, every villain is the hero of their own story? Yeah. I think for me, I just don't, 
I really don't like stealing personally. So I think like even her, it's like when they're talking about it, like I know, yeah, she's trying to help him out of the situation, but she's like, let's rob a blind man. If I just told you that alone, like let's rob a blind guy. But as far as like you said, you start rooting for the old man. Like you're rooting for him to win. You know, as things progress, you're not rooting for anyone. For me, I didn't really, I really wasn't rooting for anyone. It came out right around the same time as like It Follows. I think it was like a year before that. There was a lot of Detroit rundown detroit movies so there's a whole thing about class in the film where it's about rich versus poor and what money means to different people and what they would do for that money and what they would do with that money one my favorite line from the movie and the only reason i got tipped off that this movie like where could it possibly go is the d-bag boyfriend Money? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, that, it's probably a stupid name like that. No offense to any money people out there. But uh, Alex says, like, I think what any normal person says, like, you're not really going to rob a blind guy. And he turns around and says, listen, he's blind. It doesn't make him a saint. Doesn't mean he's a saint. Which is true. You could you could have any impairment. Doesn't make you automatically a good person. And I thought, oh, this guy's going to have some problems. Like, there's going to be... And obviously, we see that in the opening shot where he's dragging a woman's body. Yeah, and actually... That's a good point that you brought up. I read, I there's this really cool video online of first and last frames in movies. And I think Don't Breathe is one of those interesting movies where the first and last frame just entertain me so much. The first frames of the film, it's this long kind of drone shot. And it's coming down on a street, empty street, a dirty run down Detroit. And you just see this woman just going across the street. And as you get closer, you realize she's being dragged by a man. And that is a terrifying kind of shot to open your movie with. It's insane. And then the ending shot is pulling back and seeing her walking on her own towards what she wants first and last frame of a film well very well done it took me a while to realize i think when she steps out to the street for the first time and is trying to outrun the dog that's when i realized like oh wait what she's wearing and everything i'm pretty sure that's her that's being dragged in the beginning so i'm gonna have to see this i think that was the only thing they got room for me where surprises stopped happening for me they set up so many things well here they really give you a visual of everything you know where everything is and the only place where you don't really know where everything is is the basement you're kind of lost down there you're with the pov of the robbers yeah and what what this film does really well is that the stakes keep rising and the setups are always paid off the robbers come in and they take their shoes off to not make sounds later on when they get separated, when the blind guy comes out of his room and ends up killing one of the robbers, now he's locking down doors and he notices there's more boots. And now he knows there are more robbers. He didn't know before, but now he knows. And the difference between this film and a horror film is suspense. It's constantly leaving you on the edge of your seat and it's constantly doing something that Hitchcock did. It's a very Hitchcockian kind of thriller where he lets the audience know things that the characters do not. So it's like the guy in the movie theater that was yelling when you saw Evil Dead Rise. And he was like, no, like <laughs> yeah. he knew something that the character didn't. And that's what creates the suspense. So yeah. all throughout Don't Breathe, we are constantly being shown things. And also you're supposed to show, not tell. That's the reason why narration is lazy. You don't need dialogue to tell your story. Uh, yeah. If you think about the early beginnings of film, they were silent films. And Don't Breathe, by its title, there's not a lot of dialogue because the characters can't even talk to each other during the robbery. They have to keep like low and quiet. I would have loved to have seen actually how long the script was because mostly it's just describing action and like interior, exterior. 
I've never been like, oh my gosh, how hard is it to get out of a house? I've never felt so trapped in such a simple location. I mentioned I don't like jump scare movies. Mm -hmm. This was not one of them. Jump scares in the sense where there's music. Like there's like that... Like, yeah like the sound effects i think maybe there was only one throughout the entire movie which is the dog against the car and and one more where they flick on the lights and it's the girl who's stretched oh, right, out right. but that's well deserved that's not but, a jump scare yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. the so, sound design in this film is incredible i would relate it to like something like a quiet place mm, that's high praise and here's the question i asked you and i and you sent me a weird emoji back and I said, is this movie supposed to be good? Because I think it is. And the reason is, I've never heard of this movie. And I feel like, did it, like, do poorly or something? Like, why? See, I read your uh, I read your response. And I, I just had no idea what you meant by that. Yeah. So I was like, let me let, me let him elaborate. Because I know that oh, yeah. it'll come up. And I was like, let, let's save it for the podcast. But no, I completely agree. I feel like it was just so original that people weren't like ready to jump for it there is a sequel don't breathe 2 already came out oh don't tell me it's bad i would highly not recommend it no yeah it does everything wrong is it the same director no all right say less that's how you say uh, less and it focuses only on the blind guy and so in the sequel uh he's like a hero kind of character where he's taking care of uh, a random kid that uh he comes into contact with it's just so different from what the original was there's a alternate ending to Don't Breathe yeah. where the blind guy is in the train station. Oh, yeah. Following Rocky. Why wasn't that the actual ending? I think that's because that's the kind of ending that every horror movie has where you have your your main antagonist, your your monster, your killer still on the prowl and coming after you. Yeah, I get that. But why do all these other movies have to ruin it for me if this movie, like, that would be awesome? Because that seems more realistic. Like, he wants revenge. What's your favorite scene in the movie? There's so many great scenes. Mm -hmm. The basement sequence, mm -hmm. when the lights go out, it just gives you that true darkness and, like, the characters can see everything. And this is the one moment in the film where they're all on, like, even playing field. And the lights go out and you can see their hands are going out in front of them and it's really like chaotic and it's really fast but the one part of that scene that's really cool is when rocky is approaching the blind man in the dark because she doesn't know that she's approaching him and we know we them. know yeah. and it's like like my mouth was dropped and i'm like waiting for her to like accidentally touch him i don't want it to happen but if it does i know what could happen and then uh alex yells out and then like you know there's a he shoots the gun and every time he shoots the gun there's a flash of light and then you can see what's going on or at least they can see what's going yeah. on this is gonna be a weird sort of pick maybe because i think both of the scenes you picked are probably the better ones but for me the best scene is actually when they're in the closet they're hiding in the closet and she learns the numbers to the money and she gets the money it was very unexpected because their whole reason there is they're looking for the money and then they find it pretty quickly like 20 30 minutes into the movie and all i kept saying was like they get the money and leave this movie's over so what the hell's gonna happen next well everything happens next overall thoughts of uh don't breathe so i'll go first with this one yeah you know i'm the one that recommended it sure it's one of my favorite thrillers of all time it's very underrated not enough people are talking about this film i'm gonna give this a five out of five the thing that makes this movie shine is its writing mm. it was just so so sharp i think i'm gonna give it a four don't know why i don't want to give it a five usually with this sort of thing my initial gut is always right and i figure out why later like with air with the emotional 
like there wasn't enough motion. So there's something wrong with this movie. One thing I don't like about it, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's enough for not for me not to want to give it a five. And until I figure that out, it's a four. My guy, without explaining his, his <laughs> yeah. thoughts, certainly. You know what I don't like? For certain movies I do, and in a horror movie about people trying to escape, I kind of want somebody to get out. And I, to be honest, I didn't care if anyone got out. If they got out with the money, after finding out how awful this bag, uh, this blind guy is, I don't care. And if he ends up getting them all anyway, because they're robbing, I also don't care. So, All right. Today we have a special guest. We have X-Bob, known from his... <sighs> We can add it in post if you yeah. want, Bob. We can add the fanfare. He's fresh off his YouTube web series where he plays video games. He's your favorite 69-year-old video gamer, probably your only 69-year-old video gamer. He exclusively plays first-person shooters, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six, Halo, Left 4 Dead. He's also very tired of talking and dialogue in video games, so that's why he's sighing uh, from this introduction. But X-Bob, say hi. Hello, fans. Nice to hear from you again. You're here for me. I'm sorry, these two guys have me here for the podcast. I didn't agree to this. I was just told you were coming. Okay, <laughs> very clear. So what are we going to talk about today? So today uh, we brought you in to talk about The Pope's Exorcist. What a crappy movie. Yeah, JP and I actually, we just saw it last night. Um, yeah, I saw it in Queens last week. What a waste of money that was. How much did you pay for your $12 tickets? $12 for a seat because it was a reclining seat. Wow. I wanted to recline at that theater and get my money back. I would have given 50 cents, but not $12. And why was it such a waste of money, Bob? Because it was a crappy remake of about five different movies with no idea what the hell they were doing. The Pope's Exorcist is about Father Gabriel Amorth. He's the Pope's Exorcist, which means he is the lead exorcist in the Vatican. Every diocese in the Catholic Church has an exorcist. That's what he does. That's his job. He gets put on for the very extreme cases. The movie follows him as he investigates a family who moves to Spain into a house where the son gets possessed. And he helps a local priest, Father Tomas investigate and try to exercise the demon and there's some more backstory and other things that happen and they uncover things it's got a little bit of a scooby-doo vibe the building. probably a lot of crimes in the movie things you didn't like what was the worst part the worst scene for you scene moment so yes yeah, right right so a scene is in a movie so we're gonna yeah we're just gonna say it was the whole movie it was a ripoff of the original exorcist great you have instead of the boy's head turning, he had his sister's head turning around, just like the exorcist. And people flying across the room like the regular exorcist and everything else. I know it's based on a true priest mm-hmm. exorcist, because that's what they say, but that it was based on it. So the only thing I think it was based on that was true was the guy's name. It also reminded me of Ghost Rider with all the demons, you know, in one little house. And then we had a little Freddy Krueger where the woman's in the bed and... The demon grabs her into the middle of the bed. You know, Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger was there. It was terrible. You know, Russ Crowe's the best thing. He actually acted like it was all a joke anyway, with his little quirks here and there. I mean, he knew this was like out of the way out. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, couldn't understand why the Pope is laying in bed dying, and all of a sudden he's in Rome, and the demon's in Spain. But the Pope looks like the American cardinal of this, and. Sp- views out vomit or whatever like in the original exorcist why they never explain it did the demon go from take a plane from spain go to rome and you know get into the pope for about five seconds no explanation mm-hmm. that sucked that was stupid mm-hmm. you know and then there's a scene where let's see the mother and the daughter once the son's not possessed anymore they get in a car and they take off and i'm like that's it that was the whole thing did the spirit go with them? And then, of course, Russell Crowe gets possessed. 
Just like the original Exorcist. I never watched the original Exorcist, so... <laughs> oh, <laughs> you see, that was yeah. scary. This wasn't scary. They even did the crib. What was it? The crab walk? Yeah, they did that. Which was cut from the original Exorcist, but if you buy... If you get the unedited version now, you'll see it coming down the stairs with the crab walk. I'm getting tired of remakes. I mean, every time they remake something, it's a piece of garbage. The only remake that was actually better maybe was The Thing. Carpenter's The Thing. I give that one. What about Ocean's Eleven? Better well, than those. I don't, don't don't even go there. Don't, there's no Rat Pack there. It's just a bunch of rats. I would say suck. George Clooney, Matt Damon, and yeah, uh, suck. Brad Pitt is, is our modern day Rat Pack. You don't like that? No. no. Okay, Bob. Compared to Sinatra, Dimon, Sammy Davis. I just did. You know. <laughs> <laughs> those guys, you know, those guys are cool. They were cool. These guys are. A bunch I'm sure of, they're. Yeah. Bunch of, you can say it. You, we're yeah. gonna, we're not gonna. So, what are the questions about this movie? How much did well, it cost them to make this movie? The Pope's Exorcist cost eighteen million dollars to make. That's it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it cost uh, about one hundred eighty dollars to make. Uh, no, and it only uh, made fifty three so far. That's a win. Made, oh, it's going to be a damn sequel. Oh, God. Pope's well, Exorcist. They set it up part, that way. Yeah, the they end. said they're going to hell yeah, at the end. It's going to look like Spawn. Dude, this feels like the Tony Stark. Of their universe. Like, this feels like Iron Man, how they set it up. Like, I hope we get the Pope's Exorcist cinematic universe. Like, if it just zoomed in on him at the end and he's like, I'm the Pope's Exorcist. Yeah. And that it just cuts the book. <laughs> oh, that would actually be good. If it See cut to A. Exorcist. No, if it cut to ACDC and it was like, Highway to Hell. I was thinking of. Um, Welcome to the jungle! <laughs> and Thunderstruck! <laughs> okay, Dad, so. Um, These two guys have too much fun. What? We we do have a lot of fun. We were having a lot of fun in the theater last night because uh, not we were laughing hysterically. No one else was up until about the halfway mark where they just gave up. <laughs> the fact that a demon possessed a priest who then started this, the Inquisition. I did like that that little bit of it. Yeah. Oh, that was the priest? It mm-hmm. wasn't a demon, it was the priest that started the Inquisition. They're saying the yeah. priest was possessed by a demon, and he's the one who started the Inquisition, that all of that was because of Satan. Yeah, the whole corruption oh, in the church. Yeah. That's what they said in the movie, and yeah. anybody believe that? Well, I mean, it's a movie. It's a movie. Anyway, the priest goes flying across the room to a wall and everything, and he gets up like nothing happened. Now, if you did that to a normal person... Probably the neck would break, the back would break, but no, the priest just gets up and walks over. So who actually read the books? Uh, by Father James Amore. I've read excerpts of one. I haven't. I don't know if I read him specifically. Did it have anything to do with this movie? Um, as far as I can tell, from what I've read and researched, no. No. It's really more about. I would say now that I've thought about it more, it's really more about him as a priest and kind of who he is and his life. Like, I don't know about you, but I thought the priest was very funny. Did you agree? Did you think you'd find him funny? Well, Russell Crowe was good. Yeah, he was yeah, funny. He was funny. He yeah. was. And actually the quote of, of him saying the devil doesn't like jokes is something that Father Morth actually said in his real life, that he used sarcasm and comedy because the devil doesn't like it when people are happy. So. Let's talk about why the movie doesn't work. Starting with that first scene. The first scene, it was super promising. It looked like it was going to be really good up until the point he shoots the pig, and the pig. <laughs> it do, it just doesn't it yeah, doesn't make sense. That was used. Wow, you put a, a demon into a pig and you shoot the pig, and a dead demon dies. No, that can't be. That's not the way demons work. No, and if that's the case, why don't you just shoot the demon? 
Uh, you can't shoot the demon. Yeah, he he just shot the demon in the in the pig. Person. But even the demon does die. In fact, in that movie, the demon didn't die. That's the demon he's fighting at the end of the stupid movie. Respectfully, uh, I'm gonna have disagree. That that was not the same demon. the The demon says that like like he looked into his past. He knew like all of his sins and stuff like that. So he just knew of like that. Trait's not gonna work on me. A demon knew all of his sins. Yes, that's yeah. so. Bob, an actual. It's a demon. Extra, demons are very smart. They are. Yeah. How would you know that? Just from the books I read. Have you met any demons? No, thank God. Are you, now, meet, are you meeting one right now? Uh, possibly, Bob. I, I, I bring holy water everywhere, so maybe I'll start throwing. But one of the things, you know, you say it's funny, like, oh, you put he put the demon into the pig the first scene. Well, you know who famously did that. Jesus in the Bible, he does that. There's a, a man who's possessed, and when he talks to him, he says, we are legion. And so he exercises the man, and he puts um, the demons into a bunch of pigs who all actually jump off the cliff and die. So... I'm assuming they're making that reference maybe from that, maybe not, but it just seems a little too convenient. Remember that last night. Why do you get pigs? Couldn't they use a cow or chicken? Well, pigs is always considered like a dirty animal. Correct. So they don't care about that. Mm -hmm. Well, the chickens are the dirtiest animals. I know, but like like just in terms of like just people, for some reason, that's like the street thing. That's like um, when you're eating like a slob, you're you're like a pig. Yeah, you... who, who do you think was the worst actor in the in the movie? Actress. Actor. Actor, actress, whatever you want. The other priest. Father Why? Thomas? Why? Why? Yeah. Because he's too wimpy for one thing. I mean, that's just his character. We're talking well, about acting. supposed to be his character going to the, the demon and making, like, you know, you know, going near like an idiot and getting his face bigger. Honestly, he was probably my favorite character because of when the, when the demon starts mouthing off to him and he just, like, starts wailing on... Oh, you liked it when you start choking the demon. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, <clears throat> that was the start. It seemed like a scene out of a scary movie, too. So then who was it, the mother or the daughter? Or the Pope. I, no, my vote's the mother, but that's me, Bob. I didn't <laughs> she like didn't her. Much of a scene anyway. I think I think the writing kind of yeah. screwed her over more than she's anything. like looking at her her daughter and she's like the daughter's on a ledge and smoking a cigarette and she's like, What are you doing on that ledge? And why are you smoking a cigarette? Just get off there. I just I looked to JP and I was like, So white. <laughs> like So what? white like a that would be like a yuppie uh parent being like don't don't go up there what did we what did we talk about and and then if it was like an immigrant uh parent they would just smack the hell out of that kid just be like get off of that legend what's interesting is yeah if you understand the church in like the 80s and the 90s it's been 20 years since vatican ii which shook up a lot of things in the church culturally but one of the biggest things is that teaching about the devil and hell is like really pushed away right definitely more the lovey-dovey sort of side of teaching the faith so it's not surprising that this young priest He's so wimpy that they're portraying him because most priests in the day are like, the devil, uh, not quite sure. You know, they're actually not taught to like fear it as much. So it's not surprising that he is unfamiliar and he's wimpy because, you know, he probably wasn't properly trained. Is it true that they were trying to shut down like the exorcists? There's some people, I I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. Like at some point people were like, this needs to be taken out, taken away. Probably not. The church is very, very slow or very resentful. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Each district you said each has diocese. an exorcist? Each diocese has a, its own. They don't exorcist. have enough priests to serve mass. How do you get an exorcist in every diocese? You can, it's not like these cases are popping up as frequent as you might think. Because in the movie they say like 98% of the cases are are false yeah. and two percent are actual like possessions i imagine out of 98 so how many hundreds of cases do they get a year it's not as many as you think no process much slower people don't get just possessed like like the way they make it also look. Yeah. in the in the conjuring i know i'm referencing movies yeah. instead of real life i remember when the the kids got possessed they had to like file a claim with the church mm -hmm. and like get like the approval 
for the exorcism where in this one it was like very speedy it just went straight through it was like oh yeah let's get the pope's exorcist down here yeah to do a formal exorcism through the catholic church yeah it goes through an approval process yeah you almost have to present a case and then be like okay they give you the green light i just i don't understand the the exorcism kind of movies where like they're waiting for this priest here they're just the demons just chilling in bed waiting for like <laughs> mm-hmm. the priest to come i don't get it so Marin! my problem yeah. is that I didn't root for anybody in this movie. Well, I rooted for Russell Crowe. Uh, how do you not? Cuckoo! <laughs> I gotta say, whoever did, uh, whoever came up with the idea that he has to ride a Vespa... That they... The first part, they kind of just skip all over, like, the whole building up to being possessed. He just is instantly possessed. Mm-hmm. And so most of the movie is just Russell Crowe trying to battle this Yeah, they demon. speed that up real quick. Yeah. Which I think is actually... I kind of like it for this film. But that that's my problem with the yeah. film, is that... I didn't get time with them to care about them. Like, I just couldn't imagine Russell Crowe with an Italian accent riding a Vespa. Yelling, cuckoo, cuckoo. Well, if there's a sequel, you know I won't see it. It's called Cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give the Pope's Exorcist out of five stars? Any halves in your no halves, Bob. How about a quarter? No, no, no. Not we, quarter, uh, either, huh? as, as you said, a one. Now, uh, can you say why you gave it a one? Because the only good thing in it was Russell Crowe. Unless he had some lines that were good and everything, the whole movie was contrived that from other movies. The whole movie was a con- complication of other different movies and different scenes from other movies. There's no two ways about it. And I agree with you on that point. If you've ever seen a possession movie before, any of these kind of movies doesn't do anything new, nothing about it is going to surprise or shock you, but I do think Russell Crowe's performance in particular is great. I think the movie is actually pretty funny. Well, I, I've been, I'm actually going to give it two stars. Because I think Russell Crowe is just a man holding this movie together. I think if you get any other actor, anybody else to do this, it doesn't go as well. I would have loved Paul Rudd as this exorcist <laughs> would have been excellent. He's like, look at us. Like, how... Who would have thought? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it almost feels like an unintentional parody of exorcism movies. I was stuck on my review. I was leaning one, two, where I go. I'm going to have to go with a one because I was just confused at what this was supposed to be. Yeah. You know like, yeah. Hey, no, I'm just saying like. explained why you want everybody dead. This is what I'm talking about. Like, there were no, there were no stakes. There were no motivations. I didn't care about any of the characters. Poor Fanny buys the house and the demon goes, you're all going to die. It's like, what the hell did I do to you? You can stay here. Just don't bust on one. That's all. We're not kicking you out. I guess my question for you is then what do you think demons want? Or what are they supposed to want? What? So you're like so you're saying your problem with the movie is that like okay the demons wants everyone to die whatever like you don't understand it. okay they want life they go into a body because that's what they want they're living at that point you know until the body rots and then they have to jump somewhere else respectfully respectfully gonna have to disagree with you just really quick how do you know that's what how do you know that like how do you know that the demons just want a body until it rots that's just curious because they always go into bodies that rot <laughs> but how do you know that. TV. Okay. Movies. Right. Books. What? Possessed. There's a good book. I know a good reason why you didn't like this movie. Yeah, the why? director is the guy who made Overlord. Oh, Christ. I don't know what Overlord is. You don't have to know. It's terrible. So demons, all they want is the ruin of your soul. They just want more people to be banished where Not they are. Body. They want to ruin your soul. They don't care about your body. And that's why they want to, uh, when they make a deal with people, they, it's because they, if you succumb your soul and you give up, you give up on God to have no faith in God. That's what they ultimately want. It's basically turning them away from God, like exactly. corrupting them. That's what they ultimately want. Pull, pulling the soul to hell, essentially. Yeah. And so that's, that's why right. they, that's why they hurt the body. Well, in- come back. I'm not mentioning heaven or hell. 
Do you have a soul? Uh, I, I hope so. So if you're dead and you're going into the light of someone, is that your soul or is that you? I don't know. So is it the brain cells dying away and that's what the brightness is? Your brain just... I don't know what side you're arguing for. I just think you're arguing for whatever side I happen not to be like, on at the do moment. You, do you know that things happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> I read that a sequel is already planned. Oh, no, is it really? Yes. And what if you have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it? No, Russell, Russell Crowe already signed on it. He's like, I'm coming back. Russell. <laughs> Your guy Russell's back. I'll, I'll watch it now. You know what? They got a fan. <laughs> it's a two, but I'll watch it. So, yeah. Final thoughts? What? Final what would you like to the tell the... Exorcist? Yeah, tell the people final don't thoughts. Go, don't waste your money. There you go. Rent the original Exorcist or get the damn DVD and watch it. That is the world's gr- crankiest review if there ever was <laughs> one. That's excellent. I just love, and I, I have to call this out, just gotta... You talk about how shit this podcast is. And then beg to be on it. So, and here I you are. I beg a damn thing. You guys ran out of people to put on. I'm over here. We're on episode we four, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't run out of people. Nick, it's just me and you. Whoa, who else? Oh, no. <laughs> we just discovered we have a third mic. <laughs> you need to start, like, writing down before you go anywhere <laughs> what you're going to say. I'll coach you. Nick, final thoughts. For a good time, call Russell Crowe. <laughs> For a good time, I don't think you need to say more of that. Thanks. Dude, I don't know what our guest uh, procedure is, but we got to start relooking yeah. about how we do You're things. You're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, X-Bob, thank you for taking out the time to be on the show. No problem. I'll see you in hell. This has been an episode of Take 303, powered by Fortway Media. With every episode, we're going to be asking a question and leaving a poll. And for this week's poll, we are asking which Evil Dead film do you love the most? And this week's question is, which film do you wish you saw in theaters when it originally came out? Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Fortway Media. Leave a comment on there. Tell us what you thought of the episode, whether you agree or disagree with anything that we said. And tell a friend about the podcast. The word of mouth is the best way. You can also follow us on Patreon. You can subscribe and support the podcast. Help us grow. Help us release more content. We drop our episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to catch us for the next one.